So do you think they only named this Romeo Must Die because they realized the opportunity they missed out on when Aaliyah turned down the part of Juliet in Romeo plus Juliet? Four years earlier? She was supposed to be in Romeo plus Juliet? Allegedly, she was offered the part and turned it down. That would not have been good. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad she turned it down. Claire Danes was way better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this one didn't quite measure up. This was not Romeo and Juliet at all. Explain how. <laughs> and when they finally said the line, Romeo must die, I was like, oh... How early, how many drafts ago was this actually based on Romeo and Juliet? The people who did this, I promise you on my life that they will be knocked out of the box in due time. I'll make sure of it. Two families bound by tradition and locked in a war. These two guys with the machine guns, they start blasting off, well, none of y'all make it home. And one man. The old man didn't think you'd make it. And you? I knew you would. It's just a matter of time. Caught in the middle. Trisha, I can't have you hanging with you, boy. What the hell were you doing in there? We're in the middle of a damn war. Let me tell you something, okay? Whatever my father and Mac are into has nothing to do with me. In a world of vicious rivalries and violent betrayals, only one thing is certain. Sorry, Romeo. I'm taking your most valued asset. Romeo must die. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More's More, the bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Romeo Must Die, starring Jet Li, Aaliyah, Isaiah Washington, Delroy Lindo, Henry O, DMX. Anthony Anderson. (laughs) Yeah, Anthony Anderson, DMX. All these people that you would know if you saw. And one white guy. So he looks like an eviler Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That is exactly what I thought when I was watching it. Yeah. I was like, I kept being like, I know it's not Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but like... this was 2000. Right. You're too old for it, but like, man. Yeah. I just, all I can think of. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's funny that, it's weird that DMX was in this. I thought that he might have been in it because Timbaland was his producer and Timbaland did the music for this, but he he wasn't, and he only had a small part. But then DMX, Jet Li, and Anthony Anderson were also all in Cradle to the Grave, and Aaliyah was supposed to be in it too, but then she died, and so Gabrielle Union was in it instead. This movie did well enough that... Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, I will say they had the same director. Oh. So he probably cast everyone. I liked him. And it had the same producer. So the director is some guy that you've probably never heard of who has an unpronounceable name. (laughs) But the producer is Joel Silver. Right. So Joel Silver had recently done The Matrix, produced The Matrix. Okay. And he is... A big name producer. Mm-hmm. His name is on all sorts of really successful TV shows and movies. He also did Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Predator. He did a lot of those types of movies. I don't know if he... I mean, I guess they were successful, so, like, it worked out for him. He's got a good producer eye, but, like, they don't stand the test of time. And <laughs> Yeah, they don't. Not something that's going to be written on his tombstone or anything. Yeah, it's not going to make it into the obit. Exactly. Producer of famed classic Romeo Must Die. Cradle to the Grave. Yeah, that one even better. Uh, So we start out with a banger from DMX, who you can always recognize from how much he shouts, What? (laughs) And raps about dogs. The credits and music are set over a car driving through the L.A. area. And all the, the credits are, uh, start in Chinese and morph into English. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which made me think that we were starting out in Hong Kong, but we were not. Yeah. I saw the street signs and I was like, oh, we're in Oakland. Never mind. Um, I know. I did think that was a little heavy-handed because it didn't feel... Yeah. I don't know. The rest of the movie didn't match the Chinese and the credits. No, it did not. The credits were too cool for the rest of the movie. So at a nightclub called Silk's... Surprise, Silk 
is not a stripper who works there, <laughs> but DMX's character who owns this place. We see Po Sing, a Chinese man who looks like a teenager wearing his father's borrowed suit, flagrantly making out with another Chinese woman while two other Chinese women grind on each other for his benefit. The reason it's important that they're all Chinese is because they are being stared at a lot by what I can only assume is the club's normal demographic, black club goers. So basically, this is this whole movie is black versus Chinese. Yeah. So, topical. <laughs> and I already feel like we're grasping for an R rating because we see some unnecessary boob. Yeah. So weird. And it's the only thing like this in the whole movie. Yes, Right I know. up front. Uh, completely unnecessary, you know, some light lesbian action going on. Yeah, I thought that, I was like, okay, this is what this movie is. Nope, sure isn't. It's super tame. There's not even that much (laughs) violence in it. No, there isn't. So a bouncer, question mark, maybe it's a bouncer, walks up with a truly terrible line. Amazing Grace. Excuse me? My grandmother used to sing that song to me. That's real nice. I especially like the part that goes, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Take you, Francis. You have got to be a fool to roll up in here, man. But I figure you must be lost. It was a stretch. A bit of a stretch. I know. And it's probably the same thing he says to literally everyone he bounces. It's his only line. Uh, The men that we were following in the car for the credits show up. They're also Chinese. And they tell Po Sing that they don't need this heat and... They need to leave the club now. They almost successfully get everybody out, but then the bouncer starts throwing around racial slurs. So there's... Racial slurs I'd never even heard of before. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, that's good. I guess so. I was confused when he said it, though, because I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they got real offended, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess it was a racial slur. It's for sure one of those that doesn't make any sense. I know, because then I was trying to figure out why it's a racial slur, and I'm like, I can't even come up with anything. Yeah, I'm sure there's, like, a reason, but it's not one that's readily it's a, Yeah, I'm, it's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, more like a, like a horror villain name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know, exactly. Like really someone can. out of Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. So there's a pretty one-sided fight in which Russell Wong, whose character's name is Kai... Who He's, has the most obnoxious sunglasses of all time. I know. He really does. They have those little tiny he, ones. And he never takes them off. Yeah. It just absolutely destroys the club. But don't worry, because the music is upbeat, so we know this is just to show off those skills that pay the bills. <laughs> Kai is pretty much winning the physical fight, so everyone starts pulling guns. But then DMX shows up with a semi-automatic... And tells everyone who's not black they have to leave the club. And then he got hit with a class action. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I mean, as it is, probably his insurance policy got canceled because (laughs) he fired off the gun to announce his entrance into the club. (laughs) And if the insurance found out about that at all, they would have said, no, thank you. We're not interested. (laughs) Kai tells Po Sing that there's a war going on and he needs to be more careful. As long as it's happening. And he's like, I'm fine. You don't have to worry about me. And we hear more Based on nothing. Yeah, exactly. Looks like a preteen. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. But we hear more DMX, so this movie's really going. And then we see D.B. Woodbine, his name is Colin in this movie, roll up right as they're leaving. Not important right now, but maybe it's a signal to the watcher that this movie might get a little better. Just hang on a little while. Right. He'll, after all, he'll be president one day. He's also Buffy the Vampire Slayer's principal briefly. And don't worry, because he still, at that point, retains his double-pierced ears. As he should. And Well, should he? It looks very weird. So, we'll see more of him later. Although DMX's subtlety and nuance is going to be hard to beat. The next morning, a paperboy on his route discovers Po Sing's body hanging from a telephone pole. He wasn't okay. Oh, no. Also, that is a very strong... Yeah, I was surprised that that was mechanically viable. Also weird, the paperboy that sees him is a little black kid Mm -hmm. who made me think that they were in 
a black the other people's neighborhood. So how did the Chinese like? I mean, this kid goes off like telling people, yeah, as you would. But I was kind of surprised that it didn't look like a Chinese neighborhood. Oh well, maybe that they're was... trying to send a message. Well, maybe that was the message. Like, look who did it. It was us. It's in our I guess. Feels like it should be obvious who did it. Kai tells Po Sing's father, played by Henry O, Chu Sing. Who looks just like a Chinese John Lithgow. Like, <laughs> he totally does. I couldn't get over it. The news. In a palatial Chinese mansion. Meanwhile, back at the black gangster headquarter, I guess. <laughs> Isaac, played by Delroy Lindo, and Mac, Isaiah Washington... Now this was so con- glad to see all these people. I know, right? It was like before they, before they played any of the parts that I know them from. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was also kind of confusing to write all of this down because Isaac is too close to Isaiah, and Isaac was oh, not yeah. played by Isaiah Washington. So they're discussing how Isaac is trying to go straight, and he says, "Don't worry, Mac. There's going to be a place for you when we go straight. You know, don't ever worry." And they get the news that Chu Sing's son was killed. Mac gets ordered to meet with Chu and then find out who killed Po. But I think Chu might not need to worry for too long because we cut to a Hong Kong prison and we may or may not be about to see the prison break of the baddest Jet Li science has to offer. (laughs) This was so weird. Yeah, I guess I they just wanted to show off his amazing skills like before he got he showed up on the scene. But I was like, it seems weird that he has to break out of prison to do this. I think it was also so that you were like, oh, well, it's his brother, but he wasn't here with him and he doesn't know any of the politics. So he can kind of be the viewer in that regard. He has to have things explained to him and figure everything out. He goes in without any some of the preconceived notions that the other gangsters have. Yeah, I guess, I think you still could have done it where he, because he had been a cop. Yes. So they go out of their way to have the two main characters be members of gang families without being bad themselves. Yeah. Like, they're upstanding citizens, and they don't the approve of their family's activities, yeah. which I found to be a little annoying. I'm like, if you want to have a gang war story, like, the characters need to all be... Ugh, it was just not my favorite. But he was a cop in Hong Kong before he went to prison, and he could have remained a cop in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. I know there was the whole, like, but I promise to take care of my brother thing that comes up later. But you could have come up with a story for that, that, you know, he chose to go off with you to America, even though I offered to have him stay with me. Like, there was a way you could have done it without. Because my other question is, these people are an established gang family in Oakland. When did they yeah. move there? So that he's an adult in prison. So yeah, they also seem to imply that they only moved to America. They later they say that like they moved to America after he got sentenced to prison. Yeah, which can't have been that long because Jet Li's not that old. Yeah, especially to have already had a career as a cop. So it's not like he was arrested when he was a teenager. Yeah, and they're so established. I mean, they're the head of the Chinese. Yeah, crime of the families. five Chinese families. Yeah, which is is strange also but another prisoner whispers the news to him and he goes bananas on the prison guards with some fried rice because that's all he needs really he is subdued and hung upside down on a chain by one foot these hong kong prisons are intense i know but why like they're about to just like straight up torture this guy yes although they should have was he by both feet and he got one foot free or something I thought he was by both feet. Yeah, that makes more sense. Anyway, he still manages to get one foot free, beat up the four men in the room, and he may have x-ray vision, but I think it's just a confusing effect. And it only comes up, like, twice in the movie, which also makes it weird. It doesn't come up very much. It's it's so weird. Yeah, he'll hit someone, and then you see, like, x-ray vision. This is the injury. And you're like... What? Yeah. <laughs> what movie am I watching? I know. I think it was that, like, Matrixy type. Like, yeah. They were aiming for the, yeah. the special effect kind of thing, but it didn't work. Yeah. Which is probably why they used it so rarely. <laughs> uh, pro tip, don't use it at all. 
He unlocks oh. his chains, trades clothes with a guard, and saunters on out of the prison. So that was easy. So Chu and Isaac meet at an airport because there's no other way to safely meet. They're using this as like, oh, you have to go through the metal detectors, metal detectors to get to the gate and all this stuff. So it's safe. But OK, you know, somebody could just camp out outside of the airport and shoot you as you walk in or exit. I mean, yeah, this is a, this is a bizarre way to do this. Chu is suspicious at Isaac's insistence that no one in his camp could have done this. No one would be stupid enough to go after Chu's family, just like nobody in Chu's camp would be stupid enough to go after Isaac's kids. So this is where we find out Isaac has kids. We cut to a weird store where Aaliyah is super cool and beloved by all and loves the children. Can we please talk about the store for a second? The first thing we need to talk about is the fact that one of her employees is wearing overalls with a tube top shirt. Yeah. That was disturbing. It was 2000, Rose. It was so cool. No, it wasn't. I don't know about that. Also, this store apparently sells food, clothes, and provides music and dance space yeah. for the neighborhood was... children. What <laughs> is this store? Well, it's called Serpentine Fire, and it's the <laughs> coolest store in the world. And I was also very confused. I was like, wait, she just said make lemon tarts and serve them to those kids. Who were not paying for them. No, but then it was like, no, now we're in a clothing rack area. And I was like, what is this It's like a very limited selection of clothes. There's no counter or anything that shows off the food bakery. I don't know what the deal is. And then... And the store is not that big, by the way. So no. there's not tons of room for all this. And then over by the changing area, there's just these kids, like, kind of dancing a little bit, very little bit, to yeah. some R&B that's playing. Yeah, and I initially thought that Aaliyah must just work there, but then it turns out she owns it, and that was never made that clear. Especially since she's about to just go off in the middle of her workday to go buy records at a music store. Yeah, I know. Where apparently you can have a tab at this record store. <laughs> the guy's like, do you want me to put this on your tab? Oh, is that all today? Just two records? Do you want me to put it on your tab? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, having a credit card on file at a store is not the same thing as a tab. <laughs> oh, my god. I gosh. get it. She's too cool. Um, also, I'm like, I don't think you're supporting yourself. Like, there's no way your father didn't well, buy you that business. Like, don't act like you're all independent. There's also no way that store is breaking even. No. <laughs> They're losing money. Because hand there were also, fist. like, easily four or five employees in the store. <laughs> I know, in a tiny store. And, like, one paying customer and yeah, a bunch of kids that were freeloading. Kids. Yeah, exactly. But Anthony Anderson, whose name is Maurice for some reason <laughs> in this movie, Shows up to be Aaliyah's new bodyguard because things are heating up in this war. Po Sing got killed, so Isaac thinks that his daughter needs protection. So we sent his very best. How did he get a job <laughs> and how does he still have a job? I don't understand. Aaliyah wants none of it and says her father and Max World has nothing to do with her. But Anthony Anderson has a rare moment of competence and says... Well, I don't care. You can hate them if you want to, but this is my job and I'm going to stay here. Yeah. So, whatever. Meanwhile, a China Airlines plane lands and unleashes Jet Li on an unsuspecting L.A. <laughs> Oakland, yeah. Oakland. I know things about that <laughs> area. At a black barber shop, a barber and a customer discuss the NFL land deal in the works. So there's talk of building an NFL arena in the area and it's clearly dividing the community because the barber is against it and the guy in the chair is for it because he says it'll be jobs when it's built and they receive a package that's definitely not a bomb you see it and they're like here's a package for you and i mean they gave the delivery guy a line so already you're like what's going on here yeah and then they're like, well, what's this package? I don't know. I wasn't expecting a package. And you're like, okay, well, it's definitely not going to explode in two seconds. But guess what? It does. Because they're like, he's in the middle of giving someone a haircut. Like, if you got a package, you'd just be like, oh, great. Set it over there. I'll get to it eventually. You also don't hand it to the guy getting a haircut to <laughs> open it. And this is what comes of those practices. So, And this, this is weird. Gently, 
purchases some things. A clothes, I guess? I don't know. I thought he was at a hardware store. Oh, oh he was at a hardware store because he uses a drill later. It's not really established, though, that he really needs these tools it's, or that we need to see him buying them. It's completely weird what they choose to show you and what they don't. Because the hardware store never comes up again. It's not like he be- becomes friends with the hardware store owner or it's, anything. It's also like there's like every part of this movie is so airtight that there's no way they could get away with showing you a drill and not first showing you that <laughs> you purchased it. <laughs> Well, because I was expecting him to immediately see what he was going to use the tools on. Yeah, That's I know. Like, the only reason you see someone buying something is because then you immediately see them using it. <laughs> I honestly, by the time we got around to seeing the tools, I'd forgotten that we'd seen him buy them. I did too. I didn't connect it even as I was reading it aloud right now. Yeah. But the weirdest part of this scene is that he, and this is only like 10 or 15 seconds, but he's buying these things and exiting the store to what sounds like the beginning of a stomp number. <laughs> I mean, it's like someone's just starting out with the garbage can lid with a, a weird beat because the rest of the song isn't there yet, but it, then it never does anything. It just stops, <laughs> and I don't know what that was about. He tries to get a taxi to take him somewhere, and the guy's like, hey, I'm off duty, and just walks away. So... Later when we see Jet Li trying to steal that car. Well, I successfully steal that car. It it's wasn't not a hard. Surprise. Yeah, it was very easy. It and he out. actually was terrible at stealing it, as we'll find out. Well, he wasn't terrible at stealing it. He was terrible at going unnoticed, though. As Maurice is following Aaliyah, I'm sorry, her name's Trish and I'm just never going to use it. <laughs> Much like Jet Li's name, we find out way into the movie, his name is Han, never going to use his name. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, that's not why they were hired for this <laughs> yeah. movie. It's not because they blend and become their characters. Because yeah. also her last name, Trish, her last name is O'Day. Okay, I didn't notice that until like two thirds of the way into the movie and I I was flabbergasted. Are you serious? And then I With thought... With their Irish ancestors. The black crime family, O'Day. I mean, if you hear O'Day crime family, that's just not... You don't picture Delroy Lindo. There's an Irish mob in the area yeah, that is super angry at them. The Oakland Irish crime gang. And... I was like, I just, what I really want is for them to open a pub, <laughs> O'Day's Pub, and then surprise everyone who walks in <laughs> because it's just a black establishment with DMX telling everyone who's not black they have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> just like also serves corned beef on the side. Yeah, exactly. I just, when I, yeah, that's one of those things where you see it and you're like, wait, what? Who, who thought of that? Well, especially because it's... Who said, we need to come up with a last name for this family. Let's go with O'Day. I know. Because he also owns a business. It's like O'Day's Construction. And that's even less... Oh, it's just weird. If they had just taken the apostrophe out, it would have been fine. I wouldn't have thought about it at all. I know. But no, they did not do that. So as Maurice is following Aaliyah to a record store, he jams out to our third DMX song (laughs) in 23 minutes. Well, this was so music heavy. Like, it yeah. really felt like the movie existed to sell the soundtrack. I think they successfully did do that. And I that was very much, it felt like an Indian movie in that way. Where you're like, this was a lot about cross-promotion. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to creep on a lady who is not into it. They're both wearing headphones and listening to music very loud. That's different music. Different music. It's probably not the best time to try to talk to somebody. But he finds out she's not into it at all. Well, exactly. But he's so distracted that Aaliyah easily escapes and ducks out of the store. I don't know how you would... So he's supposed to be her bodyguard. He goes into this whole spiel about how, like, even if she goes to confession, it will be him, her, and the priest. Like, And yet, as soon as they get into a record store, he starts listening to music (laughs) facing the wall. He can't see either her her, or anyone who might be approaching her in a sinister way. Rose, if you have a chance to listen to some DMX, (laughs) you have to take that chance. (laughs) And I think he did the right thing. (laughs) She ducks into a taxi that Jet Li is currently hot-wiring. And oh, that's why he was still sitting there. Yeah, he I was just finishing. Was confused as to it. why he was just sitting there. Yeah, in the taxi, <laughs> he, was like he was waiting for a fare. Yeah. No, no, no. And she, he, he's like, "Well, I'm off duty." 
And I thought he repeated, he didn't seem to understand when the other guy was saying that he was off duty. And then he repeated the other guy's words exactly. He was like two words, off duty. And I was like, does he not understand English? Yeah. So what I thought was actually funny was the taxi driver, the original, the real taxi driver was Indian. Mm -hmm. So he had an Indian accent and Jet Li had a Chinese accent. So I liked the whole, like, they're both in America. He's like, do you not understand English? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then I was like, oh, maybe he didn't understand it because of the accent, the different accent. But I think he did understand it. Yeah, he just acted like it. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, his English is great. Which makes sense if he was a Hong Kong police officer. Yeah. What's most objectionable is that then Aaliyah sees Anthony Anderson come out of the store. And so she hands him some cash and says two words, on duty, $50. (laughs) That's four words. All you had to say was two words, $50. Like, you didn't need to say the on-duty. We understood the on-duty from you trying to pay him to drive you somewhere. Yeah, or don't count the words. Either one. Yeah. On-duty, $50. Well, because two words on-duty is not a clever comeback. Or just say Like, oh, you said off-duty. (laughs) On-duty! Oh, what a wit. Or hand him $50 and then say on-duty. I mean, there's so many ways that you could have done this. (laughs) Basically any way but the way they chose to do it. A lot of things were wrong (laughs) with this scene, such as them being too clever by half... As Anthony Anderson yells at Trish that he's going to find her Aaliyah-looking ass. Come on. I know. That was... That's like him listening to DMX in the store. Like, I get that you're... Yeah. These are famous people that people recognize, but, like, it's too... This movie isn't meta enough for you to get away with that. Well, especially because it's not just him listening to DMX and not thinking about it. He is jamming hard. And he's talking about how awesome it is. He's shouting about how awesome it is. He wants the whole store to know. Because Anthony Anderson doesn't do anything while he's not shouting. It's his main form of communication. It's true. Hilarity ensues as it becomes clear that he can't drive in America. Until he can. Yeah, well, he adapts pretty fast. (laughs) He's very smart. Including when he does, like, full body turn in his seat to look at her. (laughs) There are no For, like, a good several seconds, she never freaks out, even having seen his previous terrible driving, and nothing bad happens. Yeah, she never actually seems worried. She just wants to bust his chops over it. She's sassy. Yeah, exactly. So she... In the worst possible way. She keeps calling him Akbar from now on because she looks at the driver's picture and she's like uh i don't think that's you and he's like yeah i'm from hong kong and she's like oh uh, can everybody there do kung fu he's like yes Gosh, that was so i know tortured and he's so much of this movie was tortured actually right? but he's like yeah it's straight law and she's like he's like are you scared and She's like, oh, I'm not scared of you. I've been around a lot more dangerous men than you. The irony. <laughs> oh, wait till she finds out. I'd love to see her face. He drops her <laughs> off. He, he drops her off where she says to and refuses her cash. They part with flirting, but he doesn't have a phone, which automatically makes him a scrub, by the way. This was so weird. Okay. He says, hey, what's your name? Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm not giving you my name. I don't want you to call me. And I'm like, there's tons of people that know my name that can't call me on the phone. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Exactly. What, are you the only Trish in the phone book? Well, and that's, you know, that's when he's like, I don't have a phone. Which is also a bizarre response of like, I didn't ask for you. Like, the fact that he doesn't have a phone is less important than the fact that she wouldn't give him her number. Yeah. Maybe. Nope. I've got nothing. It's weird. (laughs) And I don't know why. It's also a little strange that he, I guess it's fine that he asks her name, but like, it's a little bit weird. Like, he came to America to get revenge for his brother's murder. Doesn't mean you can't make friends, Rose. (laughs) Doesn't cost you anything to be nice to someone. Take an interest in their day. Can I have your contact information? And maybe after I kill my brother's killer, we can get together for coffee? Well, let me answer that question with a question. Are you still single? (laughs) Maybe you don't ask strangers' names enough. Well, if you just got murdered by a rival gang, I could meet the love of my life and we just move on. Oh, yeah. Well, that's fair. While I I was getting vengeance for you, of course. For sure, which is nice, but I don't love you that much. (laughs) On the golf course, Isaac and Mr. Roth, fake JTT, 
are discussing the NFL land deal, and Isaac is getting insufferably preached at about actual golf and golf as a metaphor for business by a guy who looks like a frat president. <laughs> he did seem really young for the part he was playing. Like, he looked like he was 23. <laughs> I felt that he was too young. I don't know how old he actually was, but like he looked too young for the part. I feel like it should have been some silver-haired white guy. Agreed. Who- yeah. Aaliyah shows up at Serpentine Fire, and her brother, Colin, is there on the phone with their dad in the back. Colin and Aaliyah fight over Colin's involvement with the business, ending with him saying that she doesn't have to worry about him, which means he will surely die tragically within 30 <laughs> minutes. Gently is breaking into an apartment with his previously purchased, legally purchased screwdriver. This is a very nice apartment that I would gladly live in forever. He looks around at photos showing himself and Poe Sing as children, and he flashes back to a time when they were saved Wilson style by a (laughs) basketball floating in the ocean. Without context, it is an insanely confusing flashback. I was like, is this how you met him? Were you childhood friends? I don't get what's happening. When? Why were you out at sea relying on a black basketball to save you? I don't understand. I did have questions about the basketball scene. So the reason he flashes back on it is because the deflated basketball is in Poe's closet. Yes. And, I mean, I think by this point, I just assumed they were brothers because he was looking at pictures on the wall. So I was like, oh my gosh, these have to be them when they're children. But I didn't think they were brothers until we were until explicitly told. told that. But it is confusing that these two very young children are in the middle of the ocean with a basketball. Isn't that weird? How, why is the basketball there? Were they playing with it in the ocean and they all got swept away? Yeah. Who plays basketball in the ocean? <laughs> Did you live in a beach house that you could just wander off on your own and no adults noticed that you got yeah, taken no. out? And why? how did you stay together? Like, if it was a riptide that took you out, why are you both together? Yeah. This was the weirdest way they could have shown that he feels responsible for taking care of his brother. Uh, yeah, it's something that didn't expressly come together for me until right now when we were talking about it. It's just not a good way for them to have shown this. Especially because we could have seen him promising his mother when she died that he was going to take care of his brother. That was... Yeah. A thing that gets mentioned and never shown. We could have seen... Maybe the father being negligent or (laughs) abusive and he's taking care of his brother. We could have... I mean, like, there's so many ways you could have done this. A bully at school? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's ocean basketball. We get some, like, like mini Jet Li skills. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been good. That would have made a lot more sense, (laughs) which is why it can't happen. (laughs) So back in the present, he redials the last number on... Poe's phone, which thankfully was not Chinese takeout (laughs) or like a pizza delivery. Right, exactly. Luckily, it was very relevant to the case. And it was Aaliyah's store, Serpentine Fire. Isaiah Washington finds Aaliyah at a fancy restaurant. I don't get why she's there eating by herself. (laughs) I always eat at nice restaurants by myself. Yeah, while your bodyguard sits at the bar. He is super smoothly hitting on Aaliyah. This was Basically, so weird. Yeah, well, he Because tells, if you think it's going to be a major plot point that he's into Aaliyah, it's, it's not. not. It never comes up again. Yeah, you think it is, but nope. No I dice. think it was them trying to be witty again. The person who wrote the script is incapable of being witty. He should have stopped trying. Yeah, I think it was also them trying to be like, look, Mac might not be a great guy. I already knew that. How? <laughs> His beard? Because that's all you need to know. Look at his beard. That's it. Well, that's like Russell Wong, where it's like, all I needed to do was see your gross sunglasses. Like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> and your smarmy smile. Yeah. And American accent. So he basically tells Aaliyah that it's time to settle because no one better is coming. <laughs> and that's how Mark and I got engaged. So results speak for themselves. <laughs> He manhandles her and makes clear that she needs to let them protect her and then knocks Maurice one because he laughed at his failure to hit on Aaliyah. In Isaac's office, which looks like he's had this office for years, but is apparently directly above an active construction site. (laughs) 
at first you're like, well, that makes sense. His office would be there. And then you're like, wait a minute. No, it doesn't make sense that the owner of the company has an office right by where you're building. Well, even if he's really involved for some reason with the construction process, and he it is, should he still, still be... has to lean out the window and yell at them all, all the way to the end, guys. Like, <laughs> who are your supervisors on site? Well, he should still be in a trailer. His office should be in a trailer. Yes, if it's on site, you're in a trailer. I've seen enough TV shows with construction sites to know. And I've been to enough construction sites. So Aaliyah's brother Colin is there in his office talking to their dad about a call that he got from Poe Singh the night Poe died. Poe wanted to meet him and he said he had some info to stop the war. Colin didn't trust him, so he told him to meet him at Silk's, the nightclub. Isaac is mad that Colin didn't tell him immediately, but as Isaac is explaining the business dealings, we get the sappiest, weirdest possible music for this scene. I mean, it should never have even been anywhere in this movie. The music for this was all over the place. Sorry, sorry Timbaland, but it was. <laughs> and the problem is, like, the music faster than anything else dates this movie. Yes, it does. Yeah, they. I mean, they went with a lot of things that are really recognizable, but it's... It's going to be so... I mean, so it was 20 years ago. Man, in another 20 years? It's going to be insanely dated. Yeah. So he explains that he's been working on a big deal that will let them go legit. And then Colin will also be able to get out of that world and go legit as well. Mac brings Isaac a newspaper story about the barbershop bombing. This is the first Isaac has heard of it. And he's upset. He says, oh, there wasn't a better guy in the world than this guy. But Mac just wants to buy the property. He's like, oh, yeah, that was terrible. Uh, we need to buy that property pretty fast, probably. I do think it's a little bit weird that he hasn't heard of the barbershop bombing until yeah, he's I, brought a newspaper about it. I think that's very weird. Like, if you're supposed to be in touch with the community, you should know about that almost immediately. Yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't people call you? I know. Also, I feel like if a barbershop got bombed like that, it would be... Everywhere. It would be huge news. Immediately. Absolutely. Just three guys sitting in there that get killed. A real non-stolen taxi pulls up with Jet Li in it. He was going to Serpentine Fire because that was where the phone call was, but then he sees Aaliyah walking out of it. He tells the driver to follow her and then sneaks into her apartment to scare her like a normal person. He tells her that his brother called her shop right before he was killed. And I don't know why he assumes that she owns it. I don't know why you wouldn't. Or I mean, why? someone her age, of course, to a 21-year-old, owns her own business. Also, why would you assume that she even worked there? She just lo- left it. She walked out of it, and he was like, she owns that shop. They realized that it was probably Colin that Poe was talking to. But right as they realize that, Maurice and Co. show up outside, and instead of taking the window like Aaliyah says he should, Jet Li boldly takes the front door. He kung fus everyone, and only one person ever pulls a gun. Which seems surprising. As soon as you start losing the physical fighting, that's when guns come out. Yeah. Oftentimes before there's physical fighting. Yeah, exactly. This was like the one time that, uh, I guess the second time, I guess, that Anthony Anderson was really competent, which is... Han pretends to be a delivery boy. Yeah. And then Anthony Anderson, like, is looking around, and he's like, uh, what was he delivering? Yeah, I know. I thought that... I was that... like, good job, buddy. I thought they were just gonna let it go. Yeah, I thought that, too. I was like, this is so uh, clearly yeah. disproven and quickly disproven. And then Jet Li steals their car. Which, I don't know why they left it sitting there with the keys in it. It's not like they knew that there was a fight when they got out of it. Guys were kind of trickling in, but still, don't... Look, I hate having to figure out where I left my keys. It's easier to just do it, like, just leave it in the car. Yeah. They're always there when I need them. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I want problems with my insurance company when it's stolen, and then I have to say the keys were in it, and they say, well, we can't report that as stolen. That's technically, like, joyriding. Back at Chu Sing's mansion, the Chinese crime lord... All of the other Chinese families are complaining that people keep being bombed and killed and they're afraid. And he says, well, I don't want to do anything until it definitely serves our interests. And I was like, that seems weird. People are moving against you guys hard and you're like, let's see what happens. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) 
It's what made him the dynamic leader he was. <laughs> I know. This is how we knew when he showed up two years ago yeah. that we should make him our leader. This is our guy. Yeah. At Poe's funeral, everything is very traditional, except that Kai is still wearing his little sunglasses the whole time, which I feel like shouldn't be Which allowed. is immediately when I was like, you're a bad guy. Like, Yeah, exactly. It's a dead giveaway. Yeah. Jet Li shows up at the funeral in a dramatic yet understated way. Chu is surprised to see his other son. That's right. He's also <laughs> his son. But he was in prison in Hong Kong. What a mystery. We find out that, it's not a mystery for long, we find out that he was a Hong Kong police officer and got his brother out of trouble and his father, but ended up in jail instead of them. His father and brother left him and went to America, and Jet Li blames his father for Poe's death because he promised him that he would take care of Poe, and now he's dead. He will not leave it to his father to figure out who murdered Poe and give justice and honor his brother. Jet Li meets Kai outside, who recognizes him and acts like they've met many times, even though Kai has an American accent and they just moved here from Hong Kong. Yeah. Maybe they, like, Skyped. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, this is Kai. Yeah, I bet... Skyping from prison? Yeah, I bet Chinese prisons give a lot of Skype privileges. It seems like a pretty nice prison. I did it. They hung him upside down by a chain. (laughs) I didn't see any... Good point. And I saw no chicken or shrimp in that fried rice. (laughs) Okay, maybe you have a point. Okay, good. Kai explains a little more about what happened to Poe, that he went to this nightclub, and then, but he had already started a fight with the, the other people, and so that was why he was killed. And then they have a little playful sparring, and it's clear that they're friends, and that's when I was like, oh, Kai's evil. <laughs> Gently meets up with Aaliyah in a park, where she's giving kids ice cream and generally being the best. And they yeah. joke around, and the, one of the kids is like, I want a yellow one. And they're like, oh, okay, give him the, he's 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 just little, give him the yellow one. And then she's like, Jet Li, do you want one? And he's like, yeah, I want a yellow one, because he's joking. Yeah. And she's like, you get a green one, and later he's holding a yellow one. <laughs> and that bothered me a lot. But, like, color was really bad on the ice cream. Like, they needed to make the ice cream more vivid if they were going to make color jokes out of it, because it looked like all of them, when you saw the tray, were yellow and white. I, I didn't see any green ones. I know, I didn't either. I think it didn't translate very well on film. Okay, fair enough. I'll give them that. I'll give them that they're just incompetent. (laughs) But I will... The joke was so horrendously awful. And also, at a certain point, it's weird how much interaction she has with these children, considering she's not like a social worker or a teacher or something. She's a a local business owner. (laughs) And she spends massive amounts of time with these kids. A pillar of the community is really what she is. So Mac and the bodyguards are playing football in the park, and Mac is not happy to see another human talking to Aaliyah. He goes over to see who this guy is and invites Jet Li to join their game. He says, I don't know this game, and he says, oh, it's super easy. The other bodyguards are currently recognizing him, so you know there's going to be some shenanigans. Jet Li gets tackled twice before he realizes that you can hit anyone holding the ball, although I don't think you're allowed to hit them the way that he's hitting them. Uh, no. He just he's not starts, tackling them. He's just no. kung-fuing them. Yeah, exactly. And also, by the way, this is, like, basically every sport. Right, exactly. You hit the one that's holding the ball. Yeah, exactly. So he starts throwing the ball at them and then immediately beating them up and then taking the ball, throwing it at the next guy. That's a fun game that only makes him enemies. Good job. And it's played for laughs, but it's not funny at all. It's It's not really funny. It's like weirdly juvenile. The the humor in this movie was so (laughs) bad. It was like it was written by children for children. Yeah, it really was. That night, Colin is smoking weed with some woman and talking about how he needs his turn and has good ideas, which is any weed conversation. Ever. And see, at first, I like I was like, oh, Colin's a pretty good guy. He's, you know, yeah, doing well. He's trying to go legit. He's doing all this stuff. And then I saw him smoking weed with his girlfriend, and I'm like, oh, well, he's just some... Loser rich kid. Right. Yeah, I know. So it was a weird bat shift on that. I know, exactly. And I thought the woman was going to betray him, but then 
he says he just needs his turn, and she says, you'll get your turn, baby, right as she opens the door after somebody knocks. The next shot is them both at the same time being thrown out of what must be the flimsiest windows in the world into the water, and it's a hilarious shot. It's very funny. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Admitting, it's, it's also like a comedy smash cut to them getting thrown out the window. Well, yeah, because again, they're on a super high floor. That glass would not be easy to break. No. But also, they're thrown out at the same time through different, like through windows right next to each other. I was yeah. like, that was, that had to be rehearsed. very funny. So the next day, authorities drag the bodies up and Aaliyah blames her father for getting Colin involved in all his shady dealings. Mac offers condolences, but mostly just says, like, oh, we need to do business things now more than ever. And don't worry, I will make sure that whoever did this gets theirs, which tells me it definitely wasn't him. Gently comes home to Poe's apartment, which I guess he found the keys to, repaired the lock he broke, and the rent is still getting paid on? Maybe it's paid to the end of the month. Yeah, maybe so. We don't Luckily, get dates on this. Maybe yeah. all this happened at the beginning of a month. Luckily, a month. he was killed on the first. Yeah. It's been trashed, and he finds car keys on the counter. He goes to the parking garage, finds a sweet ride with a cane in it. Also a pretty sweet cane. And inside the cane is a list of addresses. And I think it's very funny that the list was numbered. (laughs) You have to have a sense of order to your life. Yeah. He doesn't seem to think there's anything weird about this. And he goes back upstairs, and Aaliyah is crying on his couch about Colin. And now she cares as much about finding out what's going on as he does. So, who trashed his apartment? Um, And did they leave him the car on purpose? And also, whose car was that? You know, you're asking a lot of insightful questions. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> insane that I don't know the answers to this que- these questions after having watched the entire movie. A lot of it with subtitles on. Mr. Roth, fake Jonathan Taylor Thomas, is in his office giving a pitch on Bluetooth, which is how we know he's for sure not a creep. He's saying he's got the waterfront properties for the arena all lined up, I think. That's like all, all it is. It's yeah. all we need to know. Aaliyah and Jetley start going to the list of addresses, which are all waterfront properties. The first one they go to is Chinese and has a bunch of bodies in it. The motorcycle gang, who seems responsible, is still driving around. Um, all of their faces covered with helmets. Jetley and Aaliyah get back into their car to run away, and there's a big old motorcycle chase. These guys did come prepared with guns, though, so they're already by far the best uh, gang out there. Jetley gets in a physical fight with one of them, and she turns out to be a girl. What? That's right. Preconceptions out the window. Jetley says he can't hit a girl, which seems weird. So they do some kung fu comedy where Jetley uses Aaliyah's hands and feet to beat the woman up. This feels like she, he would wind up breaking Aaliyah's hands for yeah. starters. First of all, he absolutely would. Aaliyah would yeah. very much get hurt in that scene. Yeah. But. The woman ends up dying, and Aaliyah's fine. So, there we go. And we get another one of those weird x-ray shots where we see, like, she falls back on a piece of wood or something, and it, it, like, stabs her in the lung, or I don't know what. But, I'm like, I I would have known that she, that that had happened, even if you hadn't shown me the weird x-ray thing. (laughs) I know, right? Jet Li goes to confront his father about this obvious hit on this Chinese shop. And his father suggests that Isaac probably did it. But Jet Li tells him the shop was hit by Chinese. His dad says that's impossible, and maybe Isaac hired outside Chinese. Uh, He also says that Jet Li needs to be careful of Isaac's daughter, who is surely involved in clouding his judgment. But at the same time, at a waterfront crab purveyors. Yeah, you know, (laughs) like you do. Mac threatens the owner with a gun to make him sell. So there's clearly a concerted effort going on here. And previously, when uh, Jet Li met up with Kai for the first time, Kai explained why the war was happening, which is that there's only four square miles of waterfront property. Half of it is owned by the Chinese and half by black men. Which seems insane. I don't know how that's been working for them. Unclear. But he said basically a war was inevitable because there's only so much space. And so to expand, they would have to fight. 
Kai shows up also that night to a waterfront place, tells the guy who's Chinese that he has a tip that the place was going to get hit. And he says, oh, man, really? When? And he says, right now, and shoots everybody. It was so clever. I know. I was really surprised. (laughs) (laughs) He takes the money, blows up a boat, and don't worry, because Chu is in on it. Oh, thank goodness. He goes to his club and goes and gets Chu so that he can come see two other Chinese family heads that are tied up in a meat freezer. This was the most disturbing part of the movie, but they didn't show anything, so I was okay. Yeah, I know. He says, don't worry, your properties will remain in the collective when you die, but since I'm the only one who survived, it's just going to be mine. And then he leaves so that they can be killed. Isaac goes to get Aaliyah from her apartment and says she needs to stay away from Jet Li. He brings her back to his house and in her childhood room because he wants her to stay there until everything is safe again. She overhears that Isaac is going to go meet Roth that night to finish the deal. But before that, Mac is going to go meet Silk at the club, DMX. Presumably, he's the last one who hasn't signed. Jet Li comes to her room through the window, and they leave together to visit the last place that hasn't been hit on the list of addresses. So at this point, I don't even understand. Like, when Jet Li shows up, I'm incredibly confused as to why he's there. Yeah. What does he need Aaliyah for? He doesn't need her for anything at this point. He already has the list. He can investigate by himself. She's not providing useful information to him, and he's the one that's the former cop. He's the one with all of the investigative know-how. I know. And... Even if it's because he likes her a lot, she's in less danger at her father's house than he is, than she's being dragged along with him. Yeah, do you remember that motorcycle gang? They super duper shot at you guys a bunch. It was the whole, like, I get that you these are the two main characters, so you want them to investigate this together, but it doesn't make <laughs> any sense that he would bring her along at this point. No, it also doesn't make sense how easy it is for the, them to constantly meet each other and find each other. Yeah. And he wasted time tracking her to her father's house instead of just continuing his investigation. It's never a waste of time to go find Aaliyah Rose. <laughs> never, ever. And Plus, again, it's like whenever he's act So, because he's doing most of this acting in English, right? So we do get him talking, Chi- like speaking Chinese when he's talking to his father. Yeah. The acting difference between when he's allowed to speak Chinese and when he has to speak English is insane. Oh, it's worlds he, away. Yeah. As when he's speaking Chinese, I'm like, oh, right, I see. You're an actor. I get it. You're playing a part. When he's speaking English, I'm like, oh, I get it. You're trying to remember your lines. I know. And say them slowly enough that people can understand what you're saying. Yeah. It is painful. It is. And his accent's fine, too. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to work as hard as he is. He He's very easy to understand. But that yeah, you're right. It's just but I think it's obvious. Yeah, I think it's obvious he's not comfortable with the language, and his accent is good. It's just he's not comfortable with the language, and the and the writing is so poor anyway. And he's (laughs) having to play a part that he doesn't normally have to play. Like he's an action hero, so this like romantic banter with someone he has absolutely no on screen chemistry with, (laughs) it just falls so flat. Yeah, it. It definitely does. But he's still so lovable. Well, he is. He's got those big eyes. Exactly. And at this late stage in the game, we find out that Silks is a casino? (laughs) What is happening? She's like, yeah, Silks Casino. (laughs) What? I think he also owns a casino. Why is there so much dancing and so many booths in this casino? And I haven't seen a single game of chance. (laughs) so bizarre. Maybe they don't know what a casino is. Yeah, maybe DMX walked on set one day and it was like, it's a casino now. Everyone <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> anyway, everyone's staring at them as they walk in because Jet Li is Chinese. So Aaliyah takes them to the dance floor so all of our dreams can come true. <laughs> I, I know mine didn't. <laughs> this was so unnecessary. It was very awkward. It felt like you were trying to fill out two hours. Well, it they, was so it was, bad. It was another self-referential thing also because she's lip-syncing her own song oh, that they're yeah. dancing to on the dance floor. So good job. Silk sees them and 
has Aaliyah and Jet Li come talk to him and says her dad's been acting like Donald Trump and grabbing up all the waterfront property he can, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Silk said he's not going to sell them. Well, too bad, because Mac busts in dressed like Blade <laughs> and finally shows his true colors in front of Aaliyah, shooting Silk when he says he won't sign. Maurice is left to guard Jet Li, which previous results would suggest is a poor choice. <laughs> and that's proven true. As he breaks free, beats everybody up a whole bunch, and uh, once again, Maurice is the first one to pull out a gun. He's also really bad at calling Jet Li names. He just thinks of Chinese foods and then calls him that. So he calls him dim sum and rice noodle. So it's like chasing an American guy and calling him hamburger or pizza roll. I mean, it's just crazy. I didn't remember rice noodle. Hey, breakfast taco. Yeah, he says rice noodle at one point. It's insane. Which, I'm sorry, for starters, it would only make sense if he was tall and thin. Yeah, I know. And he's not. Dim sum if he is short and fat. Which he is short, but he's not fat. Yeah. So, good job. Good job, Maurice. But dim sum also sounds like an adorable nickname you would give, like, a small child or your girlfriend or something. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Well, after besting everyone, Jet Li finds out that Aaliyah is at a men's club. That never is important (laughs) because he runs off somewhere, never goes to a men's club, and the next time we see Aaliyah, she's not at a men's club. So I don't understand that. And it's not that Anthony Anderson was lying, because he was in a very compromising position. We're given no reason to believe that he lies. Unless that's where Roth works out of, an extremely tall skyscraper men's club (laughs) that is mostly offices. (laughs) Chu finishes his business with Roth and is paid handsomely. As he leaves, Isaac comes in to do the same. Isaac gets a $38 million check as he's going to hand over all the deeds and says he wishes his son could be here to see it. Then he says, well, Roth, you should keep this check and that he is has got a new business partner and he's his partner now and he wants to own a team or part own a team i don't yeah he wants to be part of the owners of the the nfl team that's moving there this was like at a weird time when the raiders had left oakland and they were coming back yeah hadn't they left twice at this point maybe they had yeah and he said time the nfl had a black owner Roth is not interested, but does take a sidebar over it. Yeah. Mac is even less interested and plays his hand, which is that he has Aaliyah captive at gunpoint. Yeah. (laughs) And that he had a partnership with Chu in which they each took down anybody who wouldn't sell. So Chu went after the Chinese. Mac went after the blacks. He admits he killed Colin. So Isaac attacks him and then everybody starts shooting, even the white guys. Matt goes after Roth, who grabbed the deeds and ran. So, free deeds. Yeah. Although, unless you grab the check, too, maybe not. <laughs> um, Isaac has been shot, but still helps Aaliyah escape. On the roof during a shootout with Mac, as Roth is leaving via helicopter. I guess he just had one waiting on the helipad. I don't know. You should always have a helicopter waiting on the helipad. That's honestly a good lesson from this movie. Roth drops the briefcase that has all the deeds in it, and Mac picks them up while Jet Li shows up and asks Mac why he killed Poe. Mac says what was already very obvious, which is that the Chinese were the only ones killing the Chinese. Yeah. As he's about to shoot Jet Li, Aaliyah shoots Mac, and he goes over the side of the building. Aaliyah goes back to her dad, who is still alive, and the cops have been called for an ambulance. Isaac now approves greatly of Jet Li, and Aaliyah stays with her dad. Jet Li goes to have a showdown with Kai, who says Poe wasn't suited to lead, which is why he had to be killed. They have an epic battle in which they set the garden on fire, and (laughs) Jet Li grabs a burning hot container of that fire. (laughs) And then for the third time, we get x-ray vision of injuries, and Kai's entire spine cracks (laughs) all over the place. Jet Li goes in to confront his father, who says he tried everything to stop Poe from interfering with their deal with Roth. Jet Li says, except be his father. So deep. Jet Li- also, you don't really get to defend yourself when you authorize the 
assassination of your own son. <laughs> I know. I, I kind of expected Jet Li to be like, yeah, you did. You tried everything, including murder. Yeah. Jet Li refuses to kill his father, even when his father says, you want to kill me? Fine. Here's a gun. And he says, I've honored my brother already by finding his killer. And if the police don't get you, then the other Chinese families will. But this time, no one's going to prison for you. So as... Also, no, he has not honored his brother just by discovering who killed him. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I think he means, you know, this is going to take care of itself now. Well, he's, it he's does, blown, but he's, he's going to easily just wide off. open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's fair enough that he lost everything that he killed Poe for. True. And I think that's more justice. So as Jet Li walks away, Chu grabs the gun. Is he going to shoot Jet Li? Nope. He kills himself. This was actually well shot. Yeah. So they do it where, I mean, it's super obvious he's going to kill himself. Like that. Oh, yeah. Abundantly clear. But he grabs the gun and what we see is Jet Li walking away. But Jet Li's blocking our view of his father. And so when the gun goes off, he flinches. Which could be, I was just shot by a gun, or it could be, I was just surprised by the sound of a gunshot. I thought it was really well done. I thought he did a good job of the reaction on it. I think he did. He's really not a bad actor. No, he's not. He's not a versatile actor. Right. But he's really good at, you know, what made him famous. Yeah. And this movie did a huge disservice to that. He's He gets better as an English actor as mm-hmm. he gets older. He does. But this, I think, was just a bad part for him in general. It was a bad part for anyone. This was not a good way to have a kung fu vehicle movie. No, because it tried to play too heavily on the romance, but it wasn't romantic. Like, I didn't buy chemistry between these two people at all. There was none. Um, I've honestly never seen Aaliyah have any chemistry with anyone on screen. So (laughs) I just, I think it might have honestly just been her on screen. Um, And I think also the knowledge of, like, these two people came together under really weird circumstances, have exchanged almost no personal information, and come from really different backgrounds that is going to make any relationship between them, like, almost impossible. I know. Aaliyah is also there as Jet Li is walking out, and they walk away together. She left her father. Yeah, left her dad. Uh, They walk away together, and the police have no interest in talking to either of these people. (laughs) They say, great, we will never need to contact you again. Don't even tell us your names. Which is good, because he would have to be extradited back to Hong Kong yeah, or breaking out of prison. Get a big sentence, yes. And then we we fade out to her song, Aaliyah's song, Try Again, which doesn't suit the scene at all in feel or lyrics. Nope. If at first you don't succeed, brush yourself off and try again. That doesn't really work for this movie at all. He's already succeeded. He's all I know. That's the thing. They Everybody did. Yes, and there was also, so they apparently shot the last scene with a kiss also. Oh, I read that, yeah. And they decided not to use it because they thought it would be weird if he'd just seen his father. But this is the thing, they thought it would be weird if he'd just seen his father kill himself and then he goes out and makes out with Leah. But I'm like, it would have actually been fine if there had been any chemistry between <laughs> them at all. Exactly. The, the problem was, when this movie ends, you do not believe they will be anything other than possibly occasional pen pals. Like, yeah, exactly. These people are not going to continue to have a relationship. They have no nothing in their life that would bring them together. I know. And you, it claims to be loosely based on Romeo and Juliet, and it's not. That was so insane. So the, the line that Rose mentioned earlier is when... Mac is in Silk's club and he's just shot DMX, Silk. He turns and he's going to shoot. He acts like he's going to shoot Jet Li. And he says, sorry, Romeo, time to die. Or you've got to die or something like that. He he says, Romeo must die. Yeah. Sorry, but Romeo must die or something like that. Yeah. That felt very shoehorned in. Right. And if you read stuff about it, it will say, like, loosely based on Romeo and Juliet. And I'm like, if you mean there's two families that don't like each other, then yeah. But, like, there's no romance. There's none of the the similarities in characters. Like, there's no, no. person where you're like, oh, that's Mercutio. You know, there's nothing right. like that. Their goal is never to run away together. Yeah. 
the there's this entire mystery plot that's added and vengeance plot that's added like this is not if they hadn't mentioned romeo no one would ever relate them to romeo and juliet yeah exactly so very strange yeah it drives me nuts because people act like the first time anybody ever told a story about star-crossed lovers was Romeo and Juliet. Which we know is not true, because we just saw Tristan and sold. Exactly. So, I think in a lot of ways, people just act like, if there's any obstacle, then it's Romeo and Juliet. But I think the other problem for this movie is, like, I didn't even... I wouldn't have even thought of them as love interests, except for the fact that it's supposedly based on Romeo and Juliet. If that yeah. hadn't been in there, I would have just thought they were working together for a common purpose. They seem more like friends who mildly flirt sometimes. Yeah. But considering she seems... I think she's the type of person that just flirts she's, with anyone. She comes off that way, yeah. Um, who she kind of likes, you yeah. know? It doesn't seem serious. Yeah. So this movie was a big hit at box office. It was big with the young people, I guess. Really? What did it... What, how did it its do? budget was twenty five million dollars, okay. and it made ninety one million. Wow! All right, good job. So it did pretty good. Well, no wonder they made Cradle to the Grave. Yeah, and that's not including things like the soundtrack sales and stuff. Right. Well, and you know it wasn't a good movie, but as DMX says, "Give a dog a bone, he'll find his way home." I was hoping this would be the first <laughs> situation in which DMX's lyrics would be relevant. I guess. Just keep trying. Okay. I will. So next up, we're going to switch gears a little bit into the fantasy genre. Ooh. Have you perchance seen Pan? Oh, I haven't. It is the 2015 Peter Pan prequel directed by Joe Wright and starring Hugh Jackman. What? What? Did I just not know about this? I guess not. Uh, Hugh Jackman is Blackbeard. Rooney Mara is Tiger Lily. Oh, I do remember Rooney Mara being cast as Tiger Lily. It didn't do well, and for very good reason. This is... this looks insane. It was not good. As we'll find out next time on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us... Write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.